hello and welcome to the Jukebox Podcast. Uh, we are joined by Brado. Welcome. Thanks, guys. This is very exciting. Mm. Yeah. And yes, is there a reason that you decided to come the episode after your wife was on? No, it was just coincidence. Joel's <laughs> been texting me for months and I've been going, yeah, man, and ghosting him and so sorry, Joel. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then apparently you text Anna and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it the week after because you text me as well and I mm. got back to you and you go, oh, well, Anna's doing next, last week. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's always coincidental. A, it's always yeah. a high wire act booking the guests because you're like, Ask like five people and then they all say they can, yeah, they often say they can do it in the same day. And you're like, I've got to move people around, but it worked well. You didn't, so you're not coming on to correct any untruths? No, she did well. I was proud of her. Um, uh, how are you feeling today? Thank you for coming on. You feeling excited good? for this? Yeah, are you feeling exciting. Uplifted? I am feeling uplifted. Yes, yes. Plug, you know, go ahead. <laughs> yes, plug it, plug it, plug, plug it. my business. Plug up, away your business. Uplift building. Yes, uh, should be a positive experience, hopefully. How many houses do you reckon you've built? Oh, I've worked on a lot of houses over the years, yeah. Do you reckon that you have a guess of how many you reckon you've built? Oh, yeah, if you could pick a number. I haven't built from scratch a hun- uh, uh, mm. all these houses, but I reckon I've worked in over a thousand houses. Really? Wow. Yep. wow. yep. And That's mainly in the Shire area? Um, well, before I was actually a builder, I was a, a cabinet maker. So I did a lot of work in the eastern suburbs. Yeah, okay. And so I, I put in all sorts of cupboards and cabinetry mm-hmm. in Mosman and mm-hmm. all those nice areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've worked in all sorts, of, all over Sydney, but now I'm older and I've got four kids and a wife. I just want to work in the Shire and not travel. <laughs> yeah, so. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I work in the Shire, it's uh, very convenient. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's good. Shall we ask the first question? We should ask the first question. Brad, how do you like your chips? Yeah, I like my chips a little bit crispy, mm-hmm. just with plain salt. Yes. Yes. I'm going to come back, yes. man. Yes, plain salt, man. Back. I, think, I think it, might be, it might, be, might be a lot of effort, but it'd be good to see a tally now. Like yeah, a, a I'd love someone to go tally. back and do it. We maybe need to Chuck it in the comments. That. Like a ding. Yes. It's kind of great. funny because our family, we're all quite healthy and mm. we have plain salt. And so when we go to the shops, we've got to say, you know, we'll have plain salt, please. And it often comes back with chicken salt on it. Mm. We have chicken salt and we're like, nah, send yeah. them back. And people look at us like, what? <laughs> so we send it back yeah. and get plain salt. Yeah. 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 It's kind of funny. Is there a particular place you get chips from? Um, like to get chips from? Yeah. So... Chips are a bit like my kryptonite. I'd, I'd eat them every day if I could, but um, I've realised that it's not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get them from Spit Roast if we get them. Oh, in Sutherland? Uh, there's really? one in Gaimere. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I used to like the K&M, K&M chips. At, um, Those are the days. Yeah. So that was my favourite place, K&M in Gaimere. Mm-hmm. I, used to, I used to get them at least once a week. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Sure. I was kind of just distracted there by Ethan pouring Coca-Cola into a teacup or yeah, a mug. But why weren't you doing that on the table? Why were you doing it off the table? Well, I started <laughs> doing it off the table so I wouldn't distract. I started so I wouldn't distract. And then I was like, oh, it might look like I'm pouring something dodgy into my drink. Yes, that's why I'm and so And so I did it like a bit raised so the camera could see it. And then, but at that point, it was just distracting again. Odd so move. I just odd, bold move, but an odd move. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, apologize. Sorry, sorry, I apologize. I no, apologize for good, distracting. That was really distracting. Uh, do you have any sauce or anything? No sauce. No sauce. No. Just chips, and plain salt. Yep, chips and plain salt. We right. used to go to Nine Fish regularly and just order the family size chips. Yeah. And they're like anything else? We're like, no, mate. We're good. Just the chips. Just the chips. Just the chips. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next question. Mm-hmm. And ahead. that is, uh, Brad. How did you become a Christian? 
Yeah, okay. So I became a Christian when I was 11. So I was in year six at school. Um, I was a bit of a ratty kid. I was always getting in trouble. I used to fight a lot. And um, and I was going down a path where I wasn't really – I was like, what am I doing? You know, like I was always in trouble and the teachers were lecturing me and telling me I'd never amount to anything and all that. Yeah. But my sister, my older sister, Rochelle Hatton, um, she was a Christian. She used to go to Gaimere Anglican Church. She seemed to have things together and looked looked pretty impressive. So I went to church with her, and um, I went, "Oh wow, these people are cool. They 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 like love love you, you know." So not that not that my family life was bad, but um, I, had a, I had a pretty good family. My family weren't a Christ, weren't Christian, but my older sister Rochelle was, and probably by the time I came around to thinking about it, my my other sister, who's older than me, Nikki, Nikki Wright, uh, she was a Christian and, yeah, they had something that I wanted. So mm. I went to church, went to Glamour Anglican, um, became a Christian at the end of year six when I was 11. Mm. And um, then I started going to SEBS after that, Church of England Boys Society. Mm-hmm. Um and because I was tall, they just put me straight into the older group. <laughs> and I, I used to be a bit cheeky and I probably used to get bashed every week by the older guys. It was a bit, that, was, that was a bit of the mentality in it. back then. It was a bit of the older and younger. You know, mm. you're the young boy, you, you stay down there. So wow. I'm really glad church and groups are not like that anymore. Like mm. it's sort of like we're all one and uh, we all matter. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, but that didn't stop me going. I don't know why I just copped a beating and used to go back and be cheeky again the next week so <laughs> i didn't really learn very quickly <laughs> but i had a, i had a lot of fun going to sebs so that was good um you know, i actually i actually went through the whole of high school with, at sebs and then i started leading sebs when i was later on in life yeah um so i led i was involved with sebs and i led sebs for about 16 years yeah wow. up until i got married <laughs> yeah when you said that you um, decided to go to church, was there a particular thing you were like, I need to make a change and what, like, what actually made you want to make the change? Um, so I was going to high school and I, I had um, older sisters who were saying, you know, you can sort of start again when you get to high school. Like oh, yeah. you, you haven't got that same reputation as what you had when you were younger. So I didn't have a reputation of being a bit of a – I guess I was a bit of a bully and I used to get bullied. Um, this is a primary school. Primary right? school, yeah. yeah. And so when I went to high school, I could be someone different. So mm. I decided I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to become a Christian, go in with a different attitude. And um, that's what I did. Looking back on it, do you think there's a sense that God was calling you to make the change? Because sometimes we talk to people on Jip Lunch and they're like, oh, I didn't realise like God had been calling to me for quite a while. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon definitely God called me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't feel like I could do anything right when I was a kid and mm. you know I didn't have a lot of opinion my opinion wasn't really heard at home much and uh, we used to just do whatever my my parents told us to do and not that I had a bad childhood it was good mm. um you feel like there was like more to express there's more to express I, I feel like there was more to life than what we were doing you know yeah. I used to we used to go away every weekend down to a caravan down at um Lake Illawarra Wingdang Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I used to go down there every weekend, and so didn't really have a connection with any peers at at um, at yeah, home yeah. because we were away all weekend. Yeah, I I did play soccer, but then I stopped playing soccer because um, you know my dad didn't like missing out on going away down the coast, and he'd grumble about it. And 
So I wanted to keep my dad happy, so I stopped mm-hmm. playing soccer. And I was probably competitive as a kid. Um, <laughs> And when I became a Christian, I realised that probably wasn't very godly, my competitiveness. So <laughs> I, did, I didn't play soccer anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but I feel like I started, my life sort of started when I became a Christian and I started mm-hmm. making connections with people at church. And, um, you know, I, I had a, at, at Seb's, I had Christian men who were leaders that I looked up to, sort of like my Christian fathers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Al, Al Robbo was um, Christian father. He used to take me away camping and um, bushwalking and caving and abseiling and doing all those fun things that you do with with the kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I guess my father missed out by not doing those things with me, but I did them all with Seb's, you mm-hmm. know. Um, as a father now, I look back and go, well, why didn't he come, you know? Mm-hmm. He should have come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. just didn't. <laughs> Yeah. Is that why you kept going to Seb's, though? Because you, you were saying that you used to get a bit beat up, but you kept going back because that was because there was the connection and yeah. also oldly, older Christian men. Yeah, I think, um, you know, so we used to go there and we'd do a Bible study and we'd pray and we'd look after each other and, and you know, someone would do a talk and then we'd uh, play games and or we'd do fun things like a chalk chase or whatever. Mm. You know, it was, it was a good night, mm. but... I think, um, you know, I was a bit of a cheeky, smarty, smarty pants <laughs> and I used to give the older kids a bit of grief and yeah, right. they'd put me back in line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's the way it was. Yeah. So did you get a fresh start when you went to high school? Mm. Yeah, I did. I did to a degree. I found, I found some people to hang out with. Um, I did get in a few brawls in high school. What um, would set you off to fight? Oh, look, I was quite an angry kid, to okay. be quite honest. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've been even as an adult. I was quite angry. Uh, that's that's my diet has actually really helped me to calm down and settle down. Mm. Like I, I just have fits of rage for no reason. I don't know why. I don't know. And really? I've cl- cleaned up my diet, and now I'm I'm heaps calmer than I've ever been. Yeah, I feel like that's a point to plain salt over chicken salt. Yeah, or definitely. In itself, it just yeah. counts as another definitely. We've just got a, yeah, we've got a double double mm, points double already. Point. <laughs> I mean, I ate pretty good with, as a kid, you know. But um, you know, there's more and more. Yeah, stuff that comes into your life, um, you know, soft drinks and mm. all sorts of stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, yeah, I used to get triggered pretty quickly. Um, I've got, I've got a turn in my eye, so I had funny eyes. So I used to get te- teased as a kid. Mm. So then I'd get teased, and mm. so I, my dad told me, look, just punch the crap out of him. So <laughs> that was what he told me. <laughs> <Right>. So <clears throat> I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, and I realised that wasn't the way to go, right? So, mm. so you've been paid out, and you kind of like get these obviously emotions of feeling like crap because it's yeah. paying you out. So then, mm. the way that you kind of felt or thought you needed to deal with it was to have have a go. Well, that's what I was told. Mm. If you feel if you feel that emotion come on, you have a go. Mm. And look, even an adult, I still still do that. It's really hard. I remember Anna said last week. You know, you learn. You learn behaviour. Well, it's a learned behaviour. I yeah. still, I yeah. still feel cornered and I get cranky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What is what is that process? Like, I know you're saying you still do, but what is what was the process as you've gone through life? And I know I know it might it might this question might result into uh, skipping over a few things, but we can come back to stuff. Yeah. Um, what was the process of learn of learning to not do that look like? Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, yeah, I've done. I remember. I remember when I was, you know, I left school. I left school at fifteen, started working, and um, 
you know, I, was, I couldn't be this angry kid anymore. Mm. I was trying to be a man. Mm. Um, mm. And so I remember going to a counsellor. Um, just down the road here, there was, there was a counsellor. Mm. You know, I was, I was an apprentice. Oh, I started off as just a process worker when I was 15, making filing cabinet uh, runner draw for the wheels for the runners for the drawers. And yep. then uh, six months into that, I, I got an apprenticeship as a sheet metal worker. And so I had a little bit of money. I wasn't earning a lot, $163 a week, which is not a lot of money. The apprentices get paid a lot more these days. Yeah, though. that's right. <laughs> but um, I remember... As a, as a 15-year-old, though, you're laughing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. I was living at home. It was all good, but... Yeah. <clears throat> I remember going to this counsellor and it wasn't a set fee. It was, you know, I gave him 20 bucks. They, they'd take a, a, a nominal amount. But I remember um, actually learning a lot about myself through doing counselling and, mm. and realising that, um, you know, because I'd been told God loves me and I think I just needed to learn to love myself, mm. you know, and, and uh, figure out figure out how to be a man. Yeah, so I did heaps of counselling. Um, that was really helpful. Um, and I had mentors. I started going to Soul Revival and Stu Crawshaw, Louise Crawshaw took me under their wing, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, real, real, real influence in my life. Uh, life would get tough at home, and so uh, I'd just pack a bag and start walking or whatever, and I'd go to Stu's house. Mm-hmm. Stu would say, "Yeah, mate, you know where the bed is. Mm-hmm. Door was always open." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. I think um, just like talking about this stuff like anger and how to deal with it, I think it's – and you've, you've talked about two things that are really quite vulnerable already, Brad, is in terms of the anger that you feel and not knowing how to deal with it and working out how to deal with it Yeah, and also going to counselling. And I think one of the reasons we do this podcast is to hear your story but also that your story can help other people. Oh, 100%. And I think what you're saying is like can help heaps of men. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you do you think that this stuff that you're sharing now have you helped other men along the way? Oh, as well? definitely. Like so, I think you know the old. If you got a broken arm, you don't hesitate to go to the doctor or ring an ambulance because your your arm's broken and you need to get it healed. We have this we have this stigma with mental health or mm-hmm. or or if we need counselling, yeah. oh, you must be broken. Well, sometimes I'd go to counselling just because I wanted to learn how to be a better father or a better mm. husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when we first got married, I wanted to learn how to argue with my wife better without, <laughs> again, getting that trigger and just mm. being angry. Yeah. Like, it wasn't about being angry. I was like, I wanted to learn how to argue better yeah. and have have um, have that emotion in check. Mm. So, you know, over the, over the years, I've done heaps of counselling with stuff like that. Mm. And... Um, yeah, I'm still working on it. Mm. But yeah. I think what you're saying is you're actually destigmatizing it for yeah. other people. So yeah, if there are other men listening to this pod, yeah. you're doing that right now. And I'm just saying I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Because I think, you know, you had a broken arm, you go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. But because you can't see it. Like, mm. if you're talking about mental health, you can't actually see it physically on your body or you can't, sometimes you can't feel the pain until you're in that moment. That's right. So, But then it also fades away too. It like does. And people ignore fade. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people ignore it and they, you know, you've got to know where that feeling's coming from and deal yeah. with it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually give yourself permission to to not be triggered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, are, yeah. what would, in your mind, what do you think some of the triggers have been or were for you? Oh, I don't like being trapped or mm-hmm. out of control. Like can't get out of a situation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That may sound like I'm a bit of a control freak, but I just like to know that there's a an out 
Yep. You know, like when I go four-wheel driving, I take a spare tyre and a punch-up kit and, <laughs> and a winch, right? Yep. Like, yep. I can get out of problems. Yep. Yep. But if I don't have that winch or the punch-repair kit, I can be stuck and that would be, right. be something that... So it's kind of like if I don't know, if I'm hearing you right, I don't know how to get out of an emotional situation, that's when the anger's going to come in. Yeah. Right. It's like that's my uh, default. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's been a, a good digression to take. So thanks for Yeah, being no, my pleasure. But you said, like, because I think you just said that you became an apprentice at 15. Does that mean you left school in year 10? Yeah, I left school in year 10. Okay. Uh, 90. Oh, I think it's 90. My wife thinks it's 91. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those. I've been working for a long time. Yeah. Um, and as a cabinet maker to be no, you said process no, no. Maker? So yeah, so I, I, I left school at 15. There was a there was a bit of a recession. I I remember sending out 60. Um, letters to different builders asking for a carpentry apprenticeship and I got no returns. So, you know, that's not that's not a good way to do it. And if you're out there and you want a carpentry apprenticeship, come and see me because I'll help you get one. You know, like this. Even if it's not with you. you yeah, even if it's not with me, that's right. I can, show, I can tell you different processes to get it. So I didn't have anyone to really ask. Um, yeah. and, and so I think that's part of being part of the, the church and the family. We can help people out. Definitely. Um, young people into whatever they want to get into. Mm. Yeah, it's all about who you know. How much did your faith impact your decision to leave school, do you think? Um, well, I just hated school. I was really bad at it. Okay. And I wasn't interested in it. I've been since diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a stigma back then. If you had ADHD, you were um, on a troubled kid or something, yeah, which yep. I, I probably was. And my <laughs> parents didn't medicate me because they didn't want to be parents of a troubled kid. So... Mm. That's fair enough. It just wasn't done in the day, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and so, yeah, I got told, oh, you're an idiot and you're not, you never amount to anything. And, you know, I used to just muck up all the time. Even in high school, I was in the low classes, didn't do real well. Uh, I used to jig other classes and go and hang out in the woodwork room. <laughs> the woodwork teacher was my best mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... I, if I wanted to do something, I had to be interested in it yep. and then I'd be right. So yep. that's proven in life. I'm, I'm a builder now. I've got my own built business. Mm. Um, I never thought I'd be able to do that. So I really thank God for that. That's huge. Yeah. That's really cool. What about, so if you become a, what is it called, sorry, a process worker? Is that what I you was said? a process worker. I, I just made... Um, like I used to literally make the, the the wheels, the sliding wheels. I'd put them together. I sat on a table with this other girl um, for eight hours a day, Just putting wheels on and punching with a hammer. I did yeah. that for like six months. Yeah. So boring. So boring. I remember Stu come and had lunch with me one day and uh, we sat on the lawn in Munro Avenue near Macca's. Near yeah, that, right. yeah, 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 near that Macca's there. And um, he's like, what do you want to do, brother? I'm like, I want, a, I want a wife, I want kids, I want to buy a house. I, I want to get out of this place where I am, <laughs> do an apprenticeship. Yep. And it's like God took a list and answered all those prayers. Cause, yeah, wow. yeah, he's answered more, like, all those prayers and more, mm. even back when I was this little kid, you know, yeah, this 15-year-old cool. kid. So, um, Where was the drive to, to have that? To ha- like you had that list where did the drive for that come from yeah it's good that's a good question um i mean i i wanted companionship mm-hmm. and you know i knew you know my parents were married and they're still married they had um great companionship 
I, I craved that mm-hmm. and I, I saw that that you know even apparently when I was four years old I was saving up my money my mum said what are you saving your money for and I said a house for my wife hmm. you know so right. all my life I sort of had that mentality I was going to get married and buy a house so um, yeah I I wanted to fulfill those dreams and I had that drive um, prayed about it um, yeah, there was a time I didn't get married till I was 26. So there was a time I was thinking, oh, I'm never going to get married, you know. Mm. But I did. I got married later on in life. I married yeah. a girl seven years younger than me. So it would, probably would have been a bit creepy if I'd married earlier, you know. <laughs> probably. Yeah, 28 actually I was when I got married. So it's interesting though that you say that oh, I got married later in life at 28. Yeah. Like, I had, in terms of society in the world now, that's not late. Yeah. That's Sometimes that's early. I know, but I, I was a Christian man yeah, a in Christian. a Christian environment. Yep. Mate, I was left on the shelf. Yeah, fully. Yeah, what's wrong with me? Yeah, okay. There wasn't anything wrong with me. I just wasn't ready. At, yeah. And look, I wasn't mature enough. I <laughs> I still needed to learn how to love me before I could love other people. Mm. So, you know, it was part yeah. of the journey. Yeah, it's yeah. super important to figure that out. Yeah, what age yeah. Did you, get, you get married at 23 as well, Ethan? 23, yeah. Yeah, I was 23 as well. 23? Yeah. What yeah. Am I, how old am I now? I don't know. I'm 24 now. <laughs> So you got and I yeah. got married last January. Last January. I'm yeah. Telling, yeah. Yep. So, I was so 23. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like I lived a whole life before Anna, mm. you know. Yeah. I did a lot of I did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yep. So so, cool. so did you finally get out of making wheels for drawers? Yeah, so they they actually saw potential in me. They offered me an apprenticeship in sheet metal work. Awesome. I did an apprenticeship in sheet metal work for two and a half years. And then I realised I didn't really want to do sheet metal work. I was welding and I, I knew how to do all sorts of stuff that didn't really interest me. Yep. Um, and Jim Watson was a cabinet maker mm-hmm. um, in at St Peter's in a place called Individual Furniture. They were looking for an apprentice and he, he said, do you want to do it? I'm like, yep. So I just I was an indentured apprentice as well, which means you can't really leave very easily. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, so Nothing to do with your that because like you got selected or something? Yeah, so, so yeah. they... Oh. They signed me up and selected yeah. me, um, but I still just said, "Look, I'm leaving." And they were they were a bit a bit disappointed, but mm. yeah, what you do, what you got to do. Yeah, from cabinet making, you left. No, no, from oh, from, from, from oh, sheet metal work. Yeah. Got it. Sorry. Anyhow, no, it's all right. So then I got a, a, a apprenticeship in cabinet making. I was in at St Peter's. Mm-hmm. I I, did, I finished my apprenticeship. Jim Watson left that job uh, about twelve months into my apprenticeship, so I worked with him for a year. That was mm-hmm. fun. Um, and then I finished my apprenticeship and I worked there for another two and a half years. So all up, I spent six and a half years going into St. Peter's and doing cabinet making. Um, I was probably about 21 or 22 and I went, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't earn enough money to buy my house, right? <laughs> yep. I was, I was excited to buy a house. So I talked to my dad and he said, look, get into building. There's money in building. My dad was a builder. Uh, he used to build schools and hospitals sort of big building he was yeah, a, cool. he was a building foreman um my uncle ran a building company so he got me into in the door mm-hmm. uh and i was my, they put me with my dad which was good and bad um in the end it was bad because i was living with my dad i was working with my dad and then we were <laughs> we were renovating his house at bundina on the beach on the weekend so right <laughs> After about four months of that, I just wanted to kill him. <laughs> and I was sick of it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, they actually moved me to be with another foreman in mm-hmm. the same, same building company. Yeah. And I stopped helping him build his house on the weekend. And um, I probably lived with Stu and Lou for a bit, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah, the cabinet making would have transferred skills for you to become 
It did, it yeah. Carpenter too, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yep. So I, I didn't really, um, yeah. I, I worked with that building company for three years, mm-hmm. and then the Olympics was on. Oh yeah. Um, I went. Oh no no. In in the Olympics, I went on a big holiday up the coast, and then oh, cool. as I was on that holiday, I decided I wanted to go to Canada for twelve months. Really. So I came back and um, I worked till the February. Then mm-hmm. I left that job as a builder. I went to Canada for nine months because um, as I was leaving, Nikki, my sister, said, oh, I've met this guy at work and I think you really like him. I didn't really get a chance to meet him. So um, by the time I met him, they were engaged and getting married. So I got a call. So I went over in the February, I got a call saying I had to come back for a wedding. So I came <laughs> back on in the November for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I had $100 left in my bank account. And I had to go to Kelly Country and buy a suit for a hundred bucks <laughs> for their wedding. That's so great. I came back just bone dry. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Tell That's us about so Canada good. though. Why did you choose to go to Canada? And what yeah, was so as I said, a lot of my mates were married. Um, I'd feel like I felt like I was. I'd um, you know I had a bit of I had I'd saved up a bit of money and mm. I bought a unit in um, Oak Road, Kirrawee, mm-hmm. um, and. I literally settled on that unit in the January and I went in the February. So I'd, I felt like I'd achieved my goal. I wanted to buy a property. Yeah. I was 24, bought a property. Um, awesome. And I wanted to go snowboarding. So I went <laughs> snowboarding in Whistler. I uh, worked in a pizza shop and then I worked as a bouncer on a door, doorman. <laughs> okay. That was pretty funny. That's so good. Um, yeah. And then... Um, and then I bought a car, drove all the way across Canada, and my cousin was living in, in Toronto, near Toronto. Um, so I lived there for a few few months, and then we drove back through through America. Nine um, eleven was there when we were there. Yeah, wow. I was going to, um, I was literally going to New York that weekend, and I'm like, oh, we better not go. Really? Um, I was working in a in a in a place uh, called Sarnia, which is right near Detroit. Um, on the border of Detroit and Canada, so Sarnia's on the on the um, Canadian side. Nine Eleven was there. I was working in an oil refinery doing a shutdown, and so they sent us all home. They were worried that someone's going to you know ram a plane into this this area because that's where all the fuel from America and everything came from. Um, yeah, so I was doing a shutdown there, made mm. made good money, and then I um, I shipped. Well, we we drove all the way across America back to Seattle. And uh, I, I came home. Wow. My mate, my mate that crazy. I went with, he stayed there for another few months. And it was always a bit of a stigma where a lot of, lot of people, a few people would go overseas and do this mission, you know, do this trip. Not mm. a mission trip, sorry. They'd just do this, this you know, go overseas and do a mission or, or, or a trip. And then they'd, uh, they'd not come back to church. You know, mm. a lot of people, there was sort of this mentality of, yeah, I'll be back. But I think I was the only one that actually did come back. Yeah, well. Yeah, there was a, you know, you're on your own. You don't really know anyone. You can be whatever you want. Mm. So it was hard as a Christian man in Whistler. There was a lot of, you know, debauched sort of stuff going on and drugs. And, you know, I didn't get involved in any of that mm. and stayed away from that. I found a little church there. That was good. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. Um, it actually strengthened my faith, I think. And, um, you know, I was praying to God a lot. I, I, um, I came back ready to, I wanted to meet my wife and mm. I wanted to settle down and get married. I thought, okay, I've, I've achieved my goal. I bought a house, or I bought a unit. Um, you know, I've been selfish and went overseas for 12 months. I've come back. I want to do 
Church Again Ministry. Mm. I um, I rang a mate, Cam Miller, um, mm. said, Cam, I'm back in town. Um, he said, no worries, what are you doing for work? I said, nothing, I need, need work. He said, I will get a, ring my accountant, get an ABN number and come work for me as a carpenter. <laughs> I'm like, done. Awesome. So I was in the country four days. I had a job, Cam picked <laughs> me up. Um, I bought a Hilux ute because, again, I was probably driving too fast back in the day, so I decided to buy an old Hilux ute that was slow. <laughs> Ended up being cool. a bit slow for me, but it slowed <laughs> me down. Um, and, yeah, I had work, mm. and I, and I, uh, I, lived, I lived back at home um, for a while. I met Anna, and I was in a mentality of I didn't just want to go out with a girl. I wanted to go out with a girl to, to get married. Mm. Um, tell us, tell us about how you first came across Anna. Yeah, and, so and we're at we're at a foam dance party at Soli's, right in the old factory. Did you say foam? <laughs> foam dance party. <laughs> yeah, it was sick. <laughs> That's awesome. Foam, in, the old, in the old factory. Foam sorry. dance party at the factory. Yeah, yeah That's nice. So and um, look, I, I went up and talked to her in in, in a mission or in between songs or whatever. She was outside. And she always had a boyfriend, you know. I was always, um, oh, we didn't get that out of her last week. <laughs> yeah, I was always, I was always attracted to Anna, but she had this boyfriend, and I, th- you know, I respect the guy. Leave him alone, leave her alone, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she, she said, "Oh no, I'm on a break with my boyfriend." I'm like, "Oh, awesome! <laughs> How convenient!" Yeah, <laughs> hello. And apparently, the you know, I don't want to, I don't know, upset the guy, but apparently he was on a break and. Uh, he told a few of the other boys around to leave her alone, but oh. I didn't get the memo. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I must have missed that one. Must have missed that one. <laughs> it wasn't in the mail. And that, that night, obviously we had this foam dance party. We were all just sticky. <laughs> and she's like, oh, we're we going back to the pool. And I, I, I just invited myself. I'm like, oh, cool. Where do oh, you I live? I look at her parents' place. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, where do you live? I'm there. Yeah. So I just went over to her place <laughs> with with Kelly... Kelly Frost or Kelly Derwin, another girl. Mm. Um, Sam Hudson was there, mm. and we just washed off in the pool. She couldn't figure out why I wouldn't go home because <laughs> I was just wanting to hang out with her. <laughs> when would this guy go? <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. That's super funny. So the rest funny. is history. Yeah, <laughs> kind of is. Kind of is. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, that, that brings up a really cool point and a little bit of a rewind of um, you were involved in Solis pretty early on. Mm. Yeah. What was that like? Tell us, mm. tell us that story. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, it was awesome. So um, I was going to a youth group called 200 PSI mm-hmm. uh, when I was in high school. And Stu and Lou led that as well. So That was, was at Goimey Anglican? Goimey mm-hmm. Anglican, yep. I was like, yep, these guys are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been hanging out with Stu and Lou for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, then they decided that they were going to do a, a Solis, you know. Yep. And yeah, we there was a youth minister at the time. He had a he had a rented house at um, Guymere, and there was this old dodgy garage out the back. So we fixed up this old dodgy garage, and we just hang out there with um, some couches that we got off the council cleanup, and boxes of paint that we got, or bu- buckets of paint that we got, and we painted the place, and it was cool. Wasn't it brown? Probably. Right? We yeah, probably mixed all the paint together. <laughs> yeah, that's what Stu yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, I was in a band as well when I was – so that wasn't when it first started, but mm-hmm. I was in a band um, called Lifeboat with a couple of other Christian guys, at, um, the Bardens. Okay. Um, yeah. Yep. So uh, I was the singer and 
Yeah, it's funny because I actually told Lucy the other day, she's my 13-year-old daughter, and she's like, really? I didn't even know that about you, Dave. So, <laughs> Neither did I. Yeah, said, I've, never, I've never really talked about it. It's yeah. thing that was in the past for me. But yeah, we were in a band. We sang heaps, of, you know, we sing at Solis. The reason I bring it up is the first time we actually played was at the back of this Premier Street. Um, we were back on the back veranda. We played to a whole group of guys and Lou and Monica. So there were two girls. And one of the guys comes like, this is like the Blue Oyster Bar. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> From Police Academy. Yeah. So, yeah that's, a, that's a fond memory. Um, it's a bit of a thing to do, so it feels like, in the 80s, early 90s. Was You were in a band. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were like, you had John Monkton on here. He had a band. There's some, yeah. some other people have been in a band. So Yeah. Well, we, we went to Blackstump and there was bands all the time playing. And uh, then that's one I time I went to a, a band competition and we had ran a crowd Solis, there was like 500 at, at Solis. We won the band comp. Like we just, we, we were crap, but we just smashed it out of the park. We had rent a crowd, mate. That's awesome. They're That's like, so okay, good. you guys win. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do. Yeah. We brought yeah, 500 we, people. We brought 500 people. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. That was pretty oh, cool. That's so good. Yeah, it was so rigged. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, it was gold. Um, That's great. Yeah, but it helped us evolve. Like there was a mm. time where I was 18 and we'd finish Solis about 10 or 11 and then we'd get in the car and go down the RSL and have a few drinks. Mm. And, I'm, and Stu's like, okay, why are you guys doing that? And we're like, well, we're not ready to go home. Mm. We want to hang out. And Stu's like, right, let's do late night. Let's hang out till mm. all hours of the morning. And so that's that's where it started. So mm. we're like, okay, we don't need to go out to the clubs and pubs mm. or whatever. And you know, and clearly the action is what we're doing. We're we're hanging out, talking about Jesus, and mm. having fun. So the night's just extended, and and in that it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, I had a question, and it just completely left my mind. As you said, it got bigger and bigger. Mm. <laughs> um, what did, like. What I'm interested in is that, like, you obviously still had, you ever said you became Christian when you were 11. Yeah. You were doing Sebs and stuff. Yeah. What do you think that being part of the early stages of Soul Revival, how do you think that grew your faith? Oh, it molded me as a man that I am today, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, Stu, Stu and Lou were like, you've got to be committed. Um, you know, Jesus is priority. Um, we got to love one another. We got to accept one another. Yeah. Um, you know, I reckon Stu's got a thousand stories of how I was painting the butt for him through <laughs> the early days. You know, <laughs> I used to try everything. I was, you know, I had that mischievous sort mm. of nature and the questioner. I'm a questioner. I'd, mm. I'd just say no, and you know, all sorts of stuff. So he's probably put up with me for years and years and years, <laughs> and which is probably what makes us good mates now, mm. right? Um, because he's seen me at my worst, seen me at my best, mm. and we're just stuck by each other, right? Um, but I think that's what helps us as – it's definitely helped me as a as a father to be able to tell my kids. I remember Ted got to the age where he was ready for Fuse, mm. and I said, Ted, you're coming to Fuse. And he goes, why, Dad? I don't really want to go. And I said, look, mate, just come for a few weeks. I said, I've – I've um, got relationships with guys. I've met people that I've known all my life from just going one night and then I went the next night and then, you know, I've been, been there for 30 years. Mm. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah. I said, mate, if you go, you'll love it. If you don't love it, well, you're going to keep going anyhow. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so he went and he, and he sort of got it, you mm. know, and 
it's been really lovely seeing my kids evolve in that. Mm. I'm probably going to skip forward, but okay. you know, my 13 year old daughter, um, Lucy, she came along through through Fuse as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shani's in Fuse now. Yeah, Banjo's hanging in the background, keen to go. Yeah, he's getting there. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we come up here on a Friday night as a family because uh, uh, Anna's the Fuse leader now. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Lucy cooks me dinner on Friday night now and then we come up here as a family, yeah, Banjo awesome. comes. Um, and it's a priority, right? Mm. We, we want to do it as a family yeah. and, and we want to make it, you know, number one thing to do on a Friday mm. night yeah. and let's be committed. Because mm. what I kind of hear you saying is that because Stu and Lou and the other people that were kind of the beginning of Soul Revolve were committed to you, yeah, you learnt commitment, and you want. I did. You want more people to know, especially your family. Yeah. So there was a lady, Kylie Hook. Um, she she was a Solis leader as well. Um, Kent Elliott, mm-hmm. um, Mick Baldwin, you know, and they they all sort of you know they put up with my crap and they moulded me as a young man and they loved me. I remember going over to dinner at Kylie Hook's house. You know, she's probably five years older than me and. I was living at home. I didn't need to go out for dinner, but mm. I'd, I'd go to her house and have dinner with her family. Like, mm. how many, how many? Um, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen-year-old boys do that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, mm. yeah. yeah. But I was, I was welcomed into her family, and she was lovely, mm. um, beautiful Christian woman. Mm. Um, showed me God's love. Yeah. Something I wanted to ask you about was you. You said that. You, Earlier on, you were talking to Stu and you had a list of things that you wanted to get done. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you'd planned – in your mind, you were planning to get married a lot earlier than you actually did. Yeah. How's – like, what's that taught you in terms of, like – you can – it's like, I think it's fine to have dreams and, and aspirations of what you want to actually do, but yep. it's kind of in God's timing. Oh, 100%. Like, what, what do you think that's taught you? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, I look respect. back – I look back now, as I said, Anna's – Seven years younger than me. She's 21 when she got married. So, and look, couldn't have met a better better girl. Mm. Someone that um, has really helped me in developing my life. You know, I probably wouldn't run a business without her. Mm. Um, you know, she sits in the background, but mate, I couldn't have done anything without her. Um, she's amazing, and I think God really heard my prayer. I was earnestly praying for a godly woman who would um, enhance my life and I could enhance her life. Enhance probably is the wrong word, but, you know, encourage each other in our Christian faith. I was really attracted to Anna's godliness and Mm. um, her innocence, just so beautiful, Christian woman all her life. Mm. Um, I remember her saying to me... um, you know, in our early days, because I'd just been to Canada and her parents, you know, I came back from Canada, I had long blonde hair. <laughs> I was pretty crazy. And I, you know, I was a really pretty wild guy. Um, I remember her saying to me, um, you know, are you still pure? You know, hmm. and I was like, yeah, I am. Yeah. Because that was really important to her. Yeah. And it was really important to me as well. <sighs> so she said, yeah, well, if, if you're not, I don't want to marry her. Wow. And so... I really thank God that I had the strength to mm. to stay pure and to um, honour my future wife before I'd even met her, you know, mm. and to, you know, not that that's all a be all and end all, but it was really important to Anna yeah. and I feel like God was getting me ready to meet Anna and although there was times where I was like, come on, God, can you not mm. hear my prayer? I want to meet someone. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, it wasn't until his timing. So I really learnt timing. I learnt that I also needed to work on myself a little bit to become attractive as well. <laughs> to well, you talked about trying to work on yourself first. Yeah, yeah, previously. Yeah. Because you know, it's not about what I can get from a relationship. It's yeah. what I what I can give. Mm. You know, and if I'm going to be blessed with kids, I want to make sure that I can bring my kids up well. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah. So, yeah, I really. I remember praying that I'd get more patience, and I think I did over the years. Um, yeah, I, there was times where I'd, I'd often, after Soli's late at night, I'd go down to a boat ramp and sit in my car and just pray for my future. Mm. And um, I really feel like God heard all those prayers and answered them. Mm. Yeah. But as you said, in his timing. In his timing. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Isn't it funny how we always like, yes, I know exactly what God wants me to do. And yeah. then you pray about it. But he's like, no, this is how it will actually happen. <laughs> yeah. And look, my life's turned out way better than I could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, I've got, a, I never thought I'd have four kids, but I've got four beautiful kids. I can't imagine life without them. Um, you know, I never thought I'd run my own business or be a builder, but, you know, circumstance pushed me into that. And it helped me get my builder's license and helps me run my business. I was um, going to ask you, that's what I wanted to ask you about. So how did you get from being an apprentice working for Cam Miller yeah. to actually running your own business and building houses, like working over a thousand houses? Yeah. Well, so I, I worked with Cam Miller for, oh, I don't know, two or three years. And then we parted ways. I ended up staying in the eastern suburbs. I learned heaps of tricks about how to become a carpenter. I never actually did my carpentry apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually running jobs for builders before I started my own company. And um, I was just doing that all under a contractor's license for cabinet making. I remember a builder <laughs> saying, hang on, you're running all the jobs and training these carpenters and you haven't even got your carpenter's ticket. I'm like, yeah, I know, it's a bit funny, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I had experience and yeah, I knew yeah. what I was doing. So you also earned a lot of experience doing all the other, like the steel making, I and did, the yeah. making. Yep. And then I would suggest, and because I work for a building company, but you, it's not always just about knowing the carpentry tricks. It's like putting the guys in place to to do. Yeah. The right so carpentry. I actually learned how to do commercial building. I learned all about concrete and steel yeah. fixing and mm. formwork, and I learned how to run those guys with my father early on in that. In that time, yeah. and then I went into residential building, top end residential building in the in the eastern suburbs. And I, it was funny because when I actually regressed back down and came to the shire and just did normal houses, I was like, "This is easy, <laughs> right?" You know, I, I was doing top end stuff with, you know, how do we figure out this? And I'm thinking, "Yeah, how do we figure it out?" But but they're figuring it out for the first time, just like I'm figuring it out for the first time because they're yeah. custom made houses, yeah. right? And now you know they're uh, you know if it's straight or level or plumb. They're, they're the fundamentals, right? So, yep. Uh, yep. We'll say yep. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> well, are. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like they are. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I like my house to be level. That's yeah. That's right. That's yeah. the dream. That's the dream. Well, if you it's don't not, have if a it's level sloping, house? it's it's more the like the opposite is <laughs> is not a dream. It's, it's a like nightmare. Walking uphill to the bedroom. So I ended up working on a house. I <laughs> like how you just ignored everything that Ethan was saying. Keep going. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> it's no, like, no, it's good. It's I not worth it. I was affirming that it is an essential thing. <laughs> yeah. It is, brother. It is. It is. It is. Let's make it level. Yeah. Make Give, it me level. Exactly Give me a right. call. Give me a call. Sorry, what were you saying? No, sorry. you're right. I, I worked on a house in in, um, in the eastern suburbs. It was a waterfront next to Frank Lowy's house, um, Worsley Road, for Andrew Banks. Um, 
throwing all these names around now. Yeah, sorry, I'm just going just to pick up that name. <laughs> 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 Who yeah, is Andrew Banks anyway? Yeah, he's on Shark Tank. He was quite a wealthy man, right, yeah. before that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was working on a building site. There was, there was probably 40 tradesmen mm-hmm. at one stage. We all had a set sort of job. Um, and I, I left that. I left that job because I was really just carpentry subcontracting to them, that mm. job. I left that job at Easter time and I went to Brewarrina yes. to prepare for the River Convention a week before with my wife. So um, as I was leaving that job, you know, I'm not coming in tomorrow, boss. He's sort of like the, the, the guy that was running the job was a bit cranky about that. Mm. So anyhow, I... I prayed about it and just left anyhow and we went up to Bree and Anna and I and a few of the local guys we we graded the road and we dug pit toilets and we set up mm. cut tarps and uh, our campsite by the river you know and then after the river convention Anna, Anna and I went up to Cape York and did a bit of a trip with uh, the Buckleys so we went up to Cape York and came back down I was probably gone for five weeks or something um Anyhow, after that five-week trip, I just got in my truck and drove into Worsley Road and walk, walked into the building site and the boss saw me. He goes, oh, what are you doing here? I said, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm back to work, mate. He goes, oh, no, we haven't got any work for you. Mm. And I was like, ooh, yeah. okay. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll, I'm, I'll pray about it. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I was, I was pretty confident I'd find work. So I remember just walking around... Uh, or driving around the eastern suburbs and just dropping into every building site yeah. saying you're looking for carpenters and god's good i found a guy that was an oyster bay builder who was building in at um uh rose bay mm-hmm. beautiful house gave me a job i worked for him for four years yeah wow so you know yeah That's and then cool. and then after that i left him he ran out of work i worked for another guy um as a he was a gay builder from uh you know in in the city mm-hmm. and i met a I, I met a guy while i was working for him i met a guy who um he would he would go out every night um selling cocaine oh wow and he'd get enough for his own habit and mm-hmm. you know he'd tell me all about how to do it so i felt permission to tell him about how jesus had changed my life <laughs> Sorry, you sound like you were leaning towards, so I just did, a, did some cocaine. <laughs> but it's like completely the other yeah, the next, next, few, next little while, yeah. I sold cocaine. Yeah. Well, I, I had to listen to, listen to his stuff, so he had to yeah. listen to mine. Yeah, that's, you know? right. that's good. I like it. And, and God, God prevailed because mm. after, after the time that I spent with this guy, he, he stopped doing that. He became a Christian. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. He, he got married. His wife became a Christian. Um, yeah, and he did really well for a while. Oh, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah, really, I really like that that story. He's a good guy. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think, you know, you never know when God's going to use you. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like even moving around doing those different jobs, mm. he put me in places that he needed to. Yeah. 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 Were you going to say I was just going to say it's just really cool that what we keep doing on this podcast is, like it's sort of we talk a lot about Jesus changes everything. We say that all the time. <laughs> and I think so much of it is just like, it is just so astonishing how lives are changed um, yeah. and how it's like, whether it be like having like, whether it be going to counseling and figuring out like what you need to, what you need to do yep. um, 
or it be like, I'm not selling cocaine anymore. Like there's yeah. just, there's massive difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's the same spirit and it's the same- Same spirit. Same God and you know, doing I've, that to us. I've never done drugs. I never felt like, you know, he offered me coke at the mm. time. Yeah, I have some. I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. Like, mm. I don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like um, God's had me the whole time. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's been good. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I just, I just heard the, the title of the podcast, Had Me the Whole Time. So Had Me the Whole Time. Thank you for bringing that up. You're yes. welcome, brother. Um, and so when did you open your own business? Yeah, so um, 2011, I was working for a couple of builders um, and I was running jobs for them. And then, you know, over the time, they'd get me to quote jobs and then I'd go and meet the clients and sign contracts and then I'd do the job and then I'd get the check and put in the bank for them. And I'm like, what am I doing this for? I can just do this myself. <laughs> you know, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. And um, I went on a mission trip to Vanuatu and um, we did that with work. We went over to Vanuatu to one of the islands and we, I built, uh, the first time I went over there, we built a school for the disabled kids. And that was really cool. Um, next time I went That's over there, cool. I did a, because we stayed in like a camp while we were over there doing that first mission trip. Mm. When I went to the, do the second mission trip, they said, you know, what are the needs here? So we broke up into groups. I was in a group that made a new kitchen for this uh, camp. Awesome. So that uh, I, think, I think St George Christian School used to go over to Vanuatu and they'd stay at this camp. Mm. The kitchen was very basic, so I... Um, I sort of just designed it one Sunday. I sent it off to this kitchen guy who was a missionary guy who owned a kitchen company. Yep. He, he loaded it into a container, cut it all up, loaded it into a container. We, we got it to Vanuatu. We put it together and put this new kitchen in. That's awesome. Um, it was all very tight schedule and mm. heaps of fun. I went over there with guys from work and my two bosses. <laughs> well, I ended up having an argument with one of my bosses. And I came home and went, I can't work for this guy anymore. I just lost respect for him. So um, so I came home and I Googled, Googled how to resign because I was actually on the books. So I Googled oh, right, a resignation yeah. letter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to resign. She's like, good, you know, because I was coming home unhappy. Mm. So, um, yeah, so we literally wrote the letter together, Anna and I, we sent it off. Five minutes later, my phone's ringing. The bosses are both on the phone going, what are you doing? So I just left that job. I didn't actually have a carpenter's licence or a builder's licence. But I knew what I was doing. So, you know, I did recognition of prior learning and got a carpenter's licence through Master Builders. And then I had to do nine assignments to get my builder's licence and recognition of prior learning. They sit down and ask if you know what you're doing. It's all about paperwork, really. It's not yeah. about building. Um, and I got my builder's licence. Anna helped me do a lot of that, so that was really helpful. Um, and then I started my own business in um, 2011. Started with just me and another guy, put on, a pr- put on an apprentice. Um, now I've got five guys working for me, and, yeah, we're going really well. Awesome. Yeah. Is that the, is the hardest time getting it going? Yeah. you got no income. You're, you're, you're spending yeah. heaps of money. Um, you're a bit you're a bit green, so you're meeting people and going, why aren't people employing me? It's because I'm a bit unconfident. Going, oh, I guess I could do that. Mm. You know, I realise yeah. you got to be you got to be confident so yeah. that people can put their trust in you. Yeah, fully. Um, and as again, I spent half my life trying to be a humble man, mm. um, learning how to 
not talk yourself up to starting your own business. You've got to talk yourself up a bit and it can come across a bit arrogant. So it's, it's quite, a, quite a hard balance. Get the balance mm. between those yeah. things. Yeah. And look, when you get a little bit successful and things are starting to go well and you're making a bit of money, it's really hard not to be arrogant. Mm. So I struggle with that now. Oh, really? Because yeah. you're kind of like a little bit like I'm self-made. Yeah. Kind of like I've done this myself. I've never had a, to- a time in my life where I go, I reckon I've got this nailed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, okay. But again, it's that arrogance sneaking in. Don't mm. want it to sneak in because I'd be nothing without God. Yeah. You know? So it's not me that's – it's not me, it's God. Mm. Yeah, and I keep on having to remind myself that. It's hard not to just get carried away and work. You got to, you know, spend your time with your family. That's yeah, why I don't work weekends. I spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, prioritize them. And just before I ask you on the question about your family, yeah. I just want to ask one more about the building industry. Yeah, and being a Christian in the building industry. Oh, it's a big question, John. Yeah, because it's seen as, yeah, I would say perhaps a rough industry. Oh yeah, there's a lot of guys in, and this is only I was speaking from experience or a little a little bit of experience. Like there's a lot of guys there that have been told you're crap for a lot of their lives, and then yep. they go go do a trade, yep. and then you'll go do make some. You still won't make anything in your life, but go do a trade so yep. you can get out of my hair. Yeah, mm. there's also a lot. Of, there can be some aggro, like you spoke oh, about yeah. before. There's also like a lot of like a, almost like a bullying culture for apprentices and stuff. Yeah, how like how do you think? You were impacted by that, and I feel like from the conversations we've had off, not on the podcast, that you're actually trying to change that, trying to look after your apprentices and things like 100%, that. Hundred percent, yeah. So I, um, when I was working for a boss, even though I was running jobs, I could set essentially a little bit of culture on the job, but mm. I was underneath their banner yeah. and uh, the men who they were and how they wanted things done. Um, essentially, I was probably one of the pushing points you know i'd run jobs mm. one of the bosses would come on site and say oh, i want you to move that bit of timber from there to there and i'd say why and he'd like just because i said so yeah right so there was that mentality right yeah. and you think well you don't need to be like that so i try and you know i'm not perfect and and um but i try and set a culture where i give my guys autonomy you mm. know they're, they're actually really clever the guys i got working for me um they've been in the game a long time they don't need to be micromanaged. You know, maybe they just need a bit of pushing. I essentially just push my guys, give them the confidence that they need to keep moving forward, mm. help them solve any problems and get the materials. So that's mm. essentially what I do. I'm, I'm a bit of a gopher, you know. I pick up rubbish, I drive to the tip, I go to the supplier and buy material. Mm. But I try and set culture with my guys. I want to encourage them. I give them, you know, we go out to the pub for lunch or something, um, I try not to belittle them. I'm sure mm. I do sometimes. I try and, you know, I try not to let subcontractors um, come in and come in and set culture. I yep. try and set the culture. Uh, I try and have good trades that I've got relationships. So for me, mm-hmm. again, I'm putting my relationships that I've got with God and people around church, I put that into my business and I say, okay, I've got relationships with the, the people that I've got. So, mm. you know, my electrician, my plumber, I've got relationships with them. I don't just... Um, Pick the best price. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, advocate for them. I know they're going to do a good job. They're loyal to me. I pick up the phone. They answer it. You know, they don't go, oh, it's Brad from Uplift. <laughs> you know, he yeah, never yeah. pays no, his bills. And that's bills. super important. Right? I pay my bills before I get paid. Mm. I pay them. You know, I look after my guys. Yeah. 
you know, my guys put in their invoice at three o'clock on or four o'clock on Thursday, I pay them that afternoon, you know, like I, I look after them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I get them shirts and <laughs> I don't know, they just, they want to work for me. Yeah, and be, awesome. how does being a Christian make you think that way, do you think? Mm. Well, I want to be treated like that. So yeah. I think it helped me to not be treated like that. I realise I want to be treated like that. I mm. want to, I want to respect the people that um, I'm working with and, mm. and working you know, I don't say oh, I got these guys. I say oh, they're working for me, but really, we're working together. Yeah. You know, I'd be nothing without my guys. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's a different mentality. Mm. You know, I feel like God's blessed me with the people that I've got, and I just work with within my parameters of that. Mm. It was funny on the shock absorber. We talked about like um, churches that uh, are led in a way for longevity, and the book that we used on the shock absorber was to look at was a book called good to great by jim collins yep and then there was another book uh by a christian author who took good to great and tried to look at the similar principles but within churches yeah and that was called breakout churches and he was saying that what ended up happening was the same things that like worked well in a church of like humble leader but sticks to the strategy and was always like and obviously very theologically strong but a lot of the principles that those leaders were doing actually translated to a whole lot of things that they he'd read in like and found in good to great. Yeah. Mm. So that even if they weren't Christians in like secular businesses, yep. they were actually being run almost as similar as the leaders that would did well in a church. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that they That's pick really up the same values. Definitely. Have the same values as what Christian Christian leaders were doing that were yeah. doing, doing a good job in what they were it's doing. It's really interesting. Yeah. Because people want to feel valued whether they're Christian or not. Yeah. And they don't necessarily they, you know people want to have autonomy. Um. Yeah, I mean, my guys really—they know when I'm having a bad day, and they leave me alone. Mm. <laughs> you know, they say, "Oh, why don't you go out in your jet ski, Brado, and have some fun?" Because that makes me happy, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they and get you out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. I go in cranky. They're like, they're, you know, they guide me and say, yeah. mm. "Go and have some time, mate. You're, you're mm. stressed out." Is that mm. because you? I reckon you're doing that with them as well. Yeah, for sure. So it's like a, a reciprocal thing? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. They go, oh, we didn't get a lock done today. And I'm like, oh, well, we'll get more done tomorrow. You know, yeah. like it swings and roundabouts. Yeah, of course. Mm. You know? Mm. And I think, um, yeah, I really I really value them. Mm. Yeah. That's really important. Mm. Yeah, I think it is. And you know, I think the Bible teaches us to do that. Like, yeah. It does. Whether they're Christians or not, made in the image of God. Yeah. And... And I, I just, I, I'm probably going to articulate this properly, but I'd love when you can see, even within uh, secular industries or anywhere, that a, a, a leader that's a Christian is actually doing things differently. Yeah. And because they believe that, so everyone does feel more valued. Yeah, that's right. Just the way that God values us. Yeah. And I think um, I, fe- I find that really encouraging because, like, I've, uh, leadership is something that's really interesting to me and who's a good leader, who's not a good leader, and what you can do as a good leader. Yeah. And when you see people doing that, regardless of what area they're in, and they're Christians, like, that just means, like, oh, that is just so cool. Yeah, it I really is. Love it. And I feel encouraged yeah. hearing you say that about yeah, the thanks. guys that you lead as well. So, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it is hard in the building industry to be a meek, mild Christian mm. man. So sometimes mm. I fire up and I mm. get cranky and because people, people take advantage of weakness yeah, and they right. say, oh, he's weak and he's, 
he's a pushover. You know, and I'll try and leave things out or do yeah. the wrong job. And I'll go, hey, we've got to do this. This is, you know. Or I'm get away with doing the bare minimum. That's right. So I'm like, no, I want this. You know, I'm quite, I'm quite hard on my contractors as well. But, you know, we get there in the end. And, mm. and look, to be quite honest, they want to work for me because I'm honest and I'm mm. going to tell them the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. Do you have any advice for people that would be uh, either starting to get into it or just in the middle of being a Christian in this, in as a, as a builder or as a as a tradie? Yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard in trade in, in being a tradie in churches, right? Because mm. you know, I remember being younger and saying to Stu, "Oh, all these people just go to uni, and I'm the only I'm the only tradie." And he's like, yeah. "Come on, man, we're going to uni." And have a look, right? I'm like, okay. So he took me into uni. <laughs> that's cool. Right? That's very true. Yeah, it is. But you that's know awesome. what? It changed my life. Yeah, that's cool. He goes, um, he goes, come on, we're going to uni. So we go into uni and he takes me into a lecture and I sit there and I go, this is boring. You know? <laughs> and then we go and have lunch and we're sitting around and chatting to people and he goes, this is uni, mate. Like, they're no better than you. They're just, mm. they're just people and they're just doing something different, mm. you know? Yeah, that's cool. And so I was like, oh, okay. So... As a tradie in church, I realised that I'm just like them. I just do something different for work. Yeah. Yeah. So that changed my mentality. Yeah, so um, it helped really me realise cool. that okay, I've got a I'm I'm the I'm the the body of Christ. I've got different skills. I can do different things. So I want to use my advantage of you know doing, being able to do a bit of maintenance or I'm mm. a bit of a doer. I get things done right. Mm. So I want to use that for the body of Christ. So I try and do things around here or whatever at church, and I try and. Um, and try and use my skills that I can, you know, organising and do things for, for God's glory. So I think if I was trying to help any young guy in Christianity and and building or trade, you know, don't realise that you're not you're not as good as the academic or the people that go to uni or into the city with their suits on every day. You know, you're the mm. same person. You, God loves you just as much as the next person. Yeah. Just you've got different skills, and maybe you can use that on a mission field yeah, later cool. on. Like I, I think I'd like to do some building mission later on in life a bit more. When I, um, you know, Anna and I would love to take our kids to a third world country to help them realise how good they've got life here. Yeah. And um, you know, my kids are pretty balanced, but I think you know, it's hard in this society to see how everyone. You know, you look at the guy next to you, and you go, "Oh, he's got a big." phone or whatever and you want a big phone but you go out to the third world country and they're lucky to have food on their table Mm. you know so it's good to hopefully have people realize that Mm. i think we're all just we're all children of god yeah 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 for sure um that's really cool (laughs) yeah it is a while ago we (laughs) i I asked you a question about building we've talked about a lot but throughout this whole podcast brad you've been talking about family yeah a lot you keep you keep bringing it up so I'd really like to know, and and how keen you were to have a family even before you even got married. With yeah, Anna. I want to know why you think that's so important. Because um, I think I see it even in your actions of how much you care about your family, like the amount that you know about each individual child and stuff like that. When when we chat, yeah, it's really really cool and an encouragement to me as a father as well. Thank you. So I'd love to know your thoughts on family. There's going to be three questions. I think your thoughts on them family what God's taught you and why family is so important to you. Yeah, so my thoughts on family is, um, you know, I may not necessarily have had the best family life when I grew up. Um, it, was, it was good, but, um, you know, I wasn't, wasn't 
Christian upbringing, you know. It was a good upbringing, but it wasn't Christian upbringing. So I felt like if I was going to bring kids into the world, I had to be serious about the only thing I had to do as a father is to really get them to love the Lord and go to heaven. That's my ultimate job, right? So for me to do my ultimate job, I need to model that. I need to encourage them to come to church. I need to tell them that church is the most important thing to come to and I need to get them there. And so I think it's just that simple. So I was excited to, you know, if I'm going to bring kids into the world, they've got to get to heaven. So whatever I can do to get them to heaven. Mm. So I want to give them experiences in life so that I can, you know, just like a good boss and a good leader, if Mm. you lead your, if I lead my building team well, then I don't actually need to be there. Mm. If I lead my family well um, and my kids, then when they get to a certain age, I don't need to be there. Even yeah. though I will, I'll be around, yeah. right? Of course. But I, I want them to be equipped the best they can, you know, have as many knowledges and skills and, mm. and um, experiences and, uh, you know, and good, good ethics, mm. good morals. You know, I was always taught good morals all the way through my life um, and I feel like that's was the start of my Christian journey, even mm. though, you know, my, my parents, my mum would call herself a Christian, my dad doesn't. Um, my mum doesn't go to church anymore, but mm. she'd still call herself a Christian. But I think, you know, I love my family. From the beginning, I wanted to make sure I got them to heaven. And growing up in Solis and in, in, in this church, I've always been taught to be committed, um, mm showing up and uh serving you know yeah that's really good and so even just this week we had a council meeting talking about we need to get more people in the kitchen throwing tea towels around (laughs) so i went to my kids um ted and lucy uh and i said to them hey i I, I approached them both separately and i said hey ted they're looking for more people to throw tea towels around at night um could be a good opportunity for you to get some mates together. Mm. Maybe you could do it with Lucy and you could serve the community. And he goes, yeah, I reckon I could do that. He goes, I do it on Friday night after yeah, youth. He so he does. I reckon I could do that. Mm-hmm. And then I said to Luce, hey, Luce, what do you reckon about doing that? She goes, yeah, I reckon I could do that. Mm. And then she says to me, she's a bit cheeky, my Lucy, which I, I like. Well, I wonder where she gets that from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she says, oh, what are you going to do, Dad? Oh, are you going to do it? Wow. I said, look, if, if you want me to come and do it with you, I'd be happy to do it with you. But do you really want me, me to come and tell you what to do in the kitchen? I said, because I, I can do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, good point, Dad. Good point. I said, so look, if there's a hole and you need me to, I'll be there, yeah, right? Yeah. But, you know, I think it could be fun, you mm, and your mates. Mm, and mm. I think it's how you sell things, right? Mm. And they, they want to do ministry. Oh, yeah. Saturday nights, they're a little bit bored after church for a while. And I'm like, well, get a tea towel. And yeah. Lucy straight away, yeah, I could get this person, that person. Yeah. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, you like, I mean, I've built so many relationships when we were leading youth group at Gaimir Anglican, just drawing things up. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I remember once we were like whipping tea towels to try and turn the light switch off. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. 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 So that, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a really cool. And it's really cool that your kids, but I think your kids are doing that because you're modeling that. Yeah. Which is what's, I, again, I find really encouraging to do that, to that. What do you think God's taught you, though, as being a father? Mm. Yeah. God's taught me um, 
you know, when I, when I first got married, I realised how selfish I was and I needed to include Anna in my life and my decisions. And then when I got kids, um, I realised I was even more selfish. Now mm. I've got four kids. Um, I had to actually think about what I want to do now. Like I want to do stuff for my kids and love my kids and encourage them. It's hard for me to actually go, oh, what does Brad want to do now? Mm. Yeah, I, I can hear mm. that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, not that I'm perfect and I do have plenty of time to myself, no problem, but I, wanna, I wanted to learn how to be a good dad so that I can um, give them the best life they can, you yeah. know. So that, that includes me working hard so I can m- earn money to give them opportunity to be able to do things. Mm. Um, and also, you know, I, sp- I make sure people say, oh, can you come and quote something on the weekend? I say, no, nah, I've got four kids. Mm. If I come and quote on the weekend, I'll never see my kids. And, mm. and people go, yeah, we get that. You know, yeah. so I want to make sure they're priority. So, you know, that's why Friday night. I'm actually pretty tired by Friday night, but I I want to come up here and make mm. it a priority to hang out with my kids and and be a part of the gathering. Like I yeah. love it. I love hearing the youth talk. It ma- makes me feel young again. <laughs> kind of get it. You know, um, I've grown up my whole life listening to the youth talk. Mm. Yeah, and and you know, I want to encourage the younger leaders, Ethan mm. and, mm. and and oh, I feel encouraged. And Brayden mm. and, you know, and the team. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I think your kids would feel encouraged that you're turning up again. Yeah, they do. Every week yeah. as well. Because I, I, you know, I check in on them every now and again. I say, oh, it's a bit daggy that dad's there. No, no, we're, we're cool, dad. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they're lovely. Mm. And then we drive around, pick all Lucy's friends up and bring yeah, them to youth. It's great. <laughs> it's so yeah, it is cool. That's so fun. Really got, cool. One final question about family with uh, Ted, your eldest, if he ever gets, or Banjo. If you ever get in a, a um, corner, you just tell them to throw hands? Like you're Never. Dead, dead. <laughs> Never. Yeah, I didn't think you would. Never. So Ted, Ted's very um, – mate, Ted rebukes me regularly. He says, come on, <laughs> come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. That's, he's a, that's he's a not, legend. That's not real godly, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him saying that. That's yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's humbling, I tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of a swear bear even now at home and so – you know, uh, the kids put up with that. My wife puts up with that. I try really hard, but, you know, mate, I, I'm just in the environment all the time. It's mm. really hard. Mm. Uh, so I get rebuked off my kids. Uh, I'd never tell my kids to throw hands. I've, I've been encouraged <laughs> to, um, yep. you know, talk things through. Mm-hmm. I think, mate, it's such a different time of of, of, of society now where mm. um, it's look look down upon big time to throw hands nowadays. Yeah, 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 yeah it is. And it's yeah. it's yeah. like the last resort. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I, I even on building sites, I get in conflict sometimes. And being a big bloke, I just sort of stand my ground and people back back. back. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's ever a need for that. Really, no. no. <laughs> Sorry, I, just, no, to, just no. to be clear, I was only joking. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, I know. But yeah, that's that's the way I was brought up. Yeah, mm. and I, I think again, like going back to talking about men, I think a lot of men were brought brought up that way. Well, I know my dad was, and my mm. dad used to fight a lot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like even in my family, my dad and his his brother got involved mm. in a lot of scrapes as well. Yeah, when they were younger. Yep. But yeah. My I think uncle, that's my just uncle especially. I think people when they came back from the war they were conditioned that that's how you sort stuff out. Yeah. Mm. And you also kept all like they'd seen such difficult stuff during yes. the war. Yeah. Yeah, it's So knuckles was nothing really. Mm. Yeah. 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 I I have I I I've had the privilege of working with a lot of young people and 
there's been one particular kid who I would like his his whole outlook on life was his dad saying to him, if someone messes with you, like give back as much, oh, if yeah. not worse. Yeah. And and it was just impossible for myself and the other leaders to talk talk him like this kid wasn't a Christian, so there was no yeah. uh, there was no possibility to be like like you couldn't bring God into it because it was like, well that doesn't uh, work for them. Yeah. And it was just this like, oh no, my dad says like I gotta escalate, like I gotta I gotta That's match. It. Yeah. And it's just this really like A it was really interesting because he was so different to everyone else and everyone was like, Oh, that's, that's not okay. Which is a positive thing. Uh, all the other kids were like, what, what is, what is up with this kid? But, <laughs> but the, but the net, but the other side of it is, it is so interesting how much they get from their, how much we get from our dads. And, and you know what, like I feel, listen. I feel cornered and I'd get cranky and I still mm. want to fire up, not, not punch people, but mm. I still get cranky and fire up and verbally, you know, yell and carry on and i'm i want to work on that as an older christian man mm. you know i want to i want to um i want to turn that trigger off yeah you know mm. yeah Hopefully. and you know i i've spent a lot of time with Stu over the years and mm. you know he's quite wise and and he's he's sort of said to me mate you've got the power of god what do you mm. need to get cranky and yell and mm. throw hands around like yeah god god's bigger power on everything he's mm. he's by your side yeah. So I've learnt that from Stu and it's been really, really helpful. Yeah. There's this song that I find really funny and the the chorus goes, Try Jesus, don't try me because I throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> I find that hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask just before we ask the final question, um, in terms of church, that uh you were part of the original core team for Sorrel Bible Church. I was, yeah. Um, tell us about the decision to do that and why you really wanted to plant a church and and your experience from your perspective of church planning. Yeah, so I had, you know, my my good mate under a bit of strain, Stu, and I knew something was going on because I've known him for so long, and he couldn't tell me what was going on, but he said, "Look, something's going down," and um, then he rang me one day and he said, "Look." Matt and I are leaving. I want you to stay at Gaimer Anglican. And I just laughed him, uh, at him and said, <laughs> you're, you're joking. <laughs> Why would I stay there? Yeah. I said, I'm doing whatever you're doing. That's exactly what I said too. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, man. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I'm coming whether you like it or not. Like, you're not getting rid of me now. <laughs> you just like moves to another country and you just move the whole family. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty much how it went down. I mm. was I was annoyed that uh, again how he was how it all went down. Mm. Um, I was encouraged to calm down many times, <laughs> and yeah, I was excited about a new beginning. Mm. You know, we went around with Lou and Stu and a few other people and went to different churches, learned how to do welcoming well and, mm. and um, learned how to, things that worked and things that didn't work and what we actually wanted in a service and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, learn how to do kids ministry and ups and downs. For me, I loved it. I love new stuff. I love yeah. exploring. I love, I love, yeah, I love all that stuff. Mm. So you it was deal good. With, how do you deal with change? Are yeah, you, I'm you good. for it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I, f- 
I mean, I just the same. I'm just bringing it back to me. It's the same thing. Yeah. I was just like, let's go. I get mm. bored going to week away every every year because we go to the same spot. Let's go somewhere else. Oh, yeah, right. You so know? you still want to do week away, but you want to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so I'm like, I've explored everywhere around there. I want to. I want to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I love. Yeah, yeah. I love doing other stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And so well, I was excited about doing a new church plant. It was mm. unreal. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, and I think it was cool having you as part of the launch team, like because you had so much experience of being in Soul Revival before. Yeah. You're almost like one of the very first people to be at Soul Revival, right? So yeah. To yeah have not many people in that garage. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but just to know the values and stuff while we are while we were planning a church and figuring everything, everything else out was really important. Yeah. Not just to have it from Stu and Matt and Lauren, but also Correct, from, yeah. from many other people, including yourself. So. Yeah, I mean, and Anna's gone through all that. She's done Berea and yes. she's like, that's, you know, this is sort of why we've got to do this, mm. you know. Yeah, which is awesome. Meeting meeting my wife at Soli's and having mm. that same mentality, it's been really helpful in, in our whole life's journey, really. Mm. It was, um, my daughter, Everly, was talking to me, actually last night, she said, uh, last night or the night before, and she was saying, yeah, what if, um, what would happen if, if church goes away? And I said, oh no, so w- will we ever leave Soul Revival Church? I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, we won't be ever leaving Soul Revival Church. <laughs> she was like, oh. oh, well, if it fell apart, what would we do? It's like, oh, but there are other churches. And she meant just all the other gatherings that we have. Yeah, yeah. Soul Revival. <laughs> so if Kiriwee didn't work out, yeah. we'd, we'd just go to Yarra, 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 Yarra. Yarra. We'll go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was, that was lovely. Like, I love she's that. only that's seven so and that's what she was Yeah, I love the thinking. way they're thinking. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, it's probably, hopefully, because it's been modelled. So, mm. Mate, we, I can already see the next generation coming oh, yeah. through. That's that's the that's the yeah. goal, right? You want to empower your next generation so that if you disappear, then they're there. Yep. You know, you guys are running the church. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. No, these boys are doing an awesome job. On they Sorry, are. I pointed over there, but Braden's over there. Braden the and Ethan, fantastic <laughs> yeah. job. I love yeah. being under their leadership. Yeah. You know? Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's For me, it's fun. not about age. These guys are really mature in their faith, and mm. I just love being under their leadership. Yeah, fan. it's awesome. It's fantastic, man. Yeah. It's and great. again, another thing of having older Christian, like bring up younger Christian blokes to say, hey, you can you can do this. Like, yeah. I really, I really respect that about you, bro. Yeah, and it, look, I, I say on Friday nights, sometimes I get out the front, and I say, look, if you guys need anything, let me know. Mm. I'm just this old bloke around, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like I want to be the dad to people that need that dad as well. Yeah. And you yeah, mean fully. you said you said something similar to that going to Serbs? I did, yeah. yeah. Al Robbo, mm. I still see him all the time and, you know, he's he has this mutual respect for me, you know. Mm. It, it's He's never treated me like I'm the kid and he's the adult. Mm. Yeah, we're all just equal. Yeah, yeah I love really that cool. Jesus the leveller. doesn't matter age. Correct. Like your knowledge of the Bible, like he's just the leveller. Yeah, he is. Mm. Yep. Um, Ethan... You've asked all the questions, the three questions, or the two questions that we usually <laughs> ask. Do you want to ask the third one, uh, the, fi- the third and final one? Sure. Uh, Brother, what do you wish you know? What, it, <laughs> so what do you know say. now that you wish you knew when you were a younger Christian? Correct. Is that the question? Yep, you got yep. You're going to make it. Mm. Oh, yeah. You're going to make it. You didn't think you were going to make it when you were younger? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't have that assurance. Mm. Right. Yeah. Make, I it, mean, make it in what way? Make it in... in um, in you're gonna get those lists of things that you wanted to pray for Mm. you know going back to that list you're gonna get your wife and your house even though you know as an older christian man that's made it Mm. some of those things are really not that important Mm. some of those things are like family is important to me Mm. 
doesn't really matter if I have a house, mm. you know. It doesn't mm. really matter if I have any money or a business or a job. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got more value on my health now, so, um, I, which which has stemmed from wanting to become more godly through diet and yeah. not get cranky and fire mm. up. So, and that that's just a byproduct is actually being healthy mm. eating, mm. but um. Yeah, like I'm 47 now, and I feel like I could die happy. <laughs> you know, I've yeah. I've got a beautiful family. They um, they're doing ministry. Ted is out Friday, Saturday night till all hours. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> I don't even know when he's coming home. Mm. He's 15. I trust him. Mm. I don't question. Oh, where have you been, mate? Mm. I know he's hanging out with his Christian mates at church mm. Friday, Saturday night. They get him home. Yep, it's probably more of a burden for them, but you know, he oh, he's definitely not. He um, he rebukes me. I'm seeing him become a really godly man. Yeah, My really daughter cool. will will be the same. They're just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it's really been a goal of yours though, too. Yeah, which is like praise God for that. Yeah. yeah so special. I'm, I just think thank you, Lord. Mm. You really heard all those prayers, and mm. I've made yeah. it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, it's been uh, wonderful Thanks. having you on the podcast. Yes. Thanks Thank for you. having me. No, I really appreciate it. And I think, you know, the one thing that I was picking up, though, is just how many times you said, like, while we were going through your life, of how many times you prayed about something. Mm. Yeah. You're really like, oh, so this happened, so I just prayed. Yeah. Mm. And for me, I, that's, I reckon that's something I probably don't do as much as I would like to. I don't know if I do it enough anymore. Yeah, okay. You know, so I feel rebuked again by yeah. myself saying, yeah. I need to pray more. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But like even just the way that you, you know, speak about, I really valued your honesty today, which is really, really, yeah. really cool. And I yeah. think, and again, sure. as we said, like for other guys listening to this podcast, I think yeah. it's been really encouraging. Also for any <laughs> any women listening to the podcast too, yeah. but I just, in your experience, it's been really cool to give us that perspective. Yeah, I think connection comes from vulnerability. And um, yeah, if we can't be vulnerable with our Christian brothers and sisters or whoever else is listening to the podcast, mm. um, you know, I want to encourage people. Mm. And and if there's people going through similar stuff to me, then um, I want to encourage them. Mm. Yeah. And I just love that the way that Jesus has encouraged you to work on the things that you think are really important, but also the things that you think can getting in the way of that important stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you were talking about your anger and, yep. and but your honesty about that is obviously helping you deal with that. Big get time. better at it. Yep. Um, like you're talking about even the, working in the building industry, it was the same thing. Like you said, some of the things you got annoyed about, you're trying not to do that as a business yeah. in building as well. Yep. So I'm just, I've been really encouraged. So thank you very much. No, and my pleasure. Um, any my other pleasure. Word, any other final words? Oh, I just want to echo all of that. Uh, really, really encouraged. Really awesome. Yeah, to, it's been uh, a pleasure come. to hang out with you guys, and you know I've seen Ethan grow up his whole life. Yeah, exactly. That's I so remember cool. being born, and mm. you know, I've known you for a long time, Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks for the inviting me. No oh, worries, it's awesome. It's been um, so good. So that has been the Chip Lunch podcast. Once again, thank you for Brad. Thank you to thank you to Ethan as well, um, and thank you for everyone listening. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't already, whether it's on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. What is your favorite podcast app, Ethan? The Apple one. Purple, oh, it's purple. Okay. I listen on Overcast if you're on it. If you're on Apple, that's a Damn. that's a bit of an indie app developer. Oh, look wow. At you. Yeah, look at me. Um, <laughs> check that out if you want. But uh, thanks very much for listening. Thank you again, Brad. And we finish with one way. One way. One, one way. way.